I'm Billy Ray. And I'm Joel. And you're listening to Tales from Wisteria Lane. The podcast where we give a fair view of all things Desperate Housewives. Hi everyone, welcome back to Tales from Wisteria Lane. I'm Billy Ray. And I'm Joel. And today we are doing Season 1, Episode 13, Your Fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. So what have we what have we up to? We've just rewatched the episode. We watched it once to um, take all of our notes, but we've actually rewatched it just to get a bit of clarity, make sure we didn't miss anything. Yes. So <laughs> we're coming into it right afterwards. We tend to watch them twice now. Yeah, I don't I don't like to miss things. Plus, the first time I was really not paying attention to anything anyone was wearing. It's hard to pay attention to the episode when you're writing down your notes as well. Yeah. What's new with us? I've got a fractured toe bone. He does have a fractured toe bone. It'll be gone by the time this episode. Yeah, but I time... say gone. <laughs> <laughs> By the time this episode's up, I'll be fine. Did Probably it work? Drop something on his toe. But luckily, this podcast doesn't require any walking. No, thank God. <laughs> anything new with you? No, I don't really think anything is new with me. Finished The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? I have finished all of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I'm all caught up now. <laughs> and we finished RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars 5 today. So send in your comments and questions about RuPaul's Drag Race Season 5. All Stars, All stars and, uh, yeah. Beverly Hills, and we'll get back to about those two. <laughs> yes. So in this episode, as is the norm, we take it in turns to do the notes and trivia, yep. and to do the outline. So I'll be doing the outline of the episode, going through it piece by piece, and Jolian is going to be doing the trivia, fun facts, Joel facts, whatever you want to call them. Joel facts. Facts about me. Would you like to get us started, Joel? Tell me what you have. Sure. So this episode is directed by Arlene Sanford, which I think she has already directed an episode before. Uh, It's a familiar name. Uh, Written by Kevin Etten, and it aired on Sunday the 23rd of January 2005, so 15 years ago. Mm. Uh, The episode title, Your Fault, comes from the Stephen Sondheim musical Into the Woods. Which is a musical I know. I know Into the Woods. I like that one. Uh, I mean, you know, I didn't enjoy the movie. Oh. I really didn't enjoy the movie. I did. But uh, the, the musical soundtrack is very good. That's funny because when we were going, it's your fault, no, it's your fault. That's what was in my head. The song. Oh, really? Yeah, from oh. Into the Woods. Oh, okay. Um, the French... Okay, this is where it gets strange because I've come across two French titles. Oh. For this episode. So the first one I came across was Mon beau-père, mon mari et moi, which is my father-in-law, my husband and I. Or there's Bienvenue au club, which is Welcome to the Club. Okay. Both of those are apparently French titles for this episode. So which one is the actual French title? I don't know. I'm not a scientist. Well, I like Welcome to the Club because of how it starts. I like My Father-in-Law, My Husband and I, just because it makes zero sense. I mean, it, it makes sense for one particular character in this episode, but it's not like an overall episode thing. Um, and then I can really find much else. So I've got more information on the guest star for this episode. So You're Rodney. Yes. Okay. Ry- Rodney is played by Ryan O'Neill, who plays Tom's stepfather. And he has, Ryan O'Neill himself, not the character, has had romances with Ursula Andres, Bianca Jagger, Anouk Amy, Jacqueline Bissett, Barbara Streisand, Diana Ross, and Angelica Houston. Gets around. <laughs> he does. According to his daughter, Tatum O'Neill, he also had an affair with Melanie Griffith from Working Girl. He's famous for the TV series Peyton's Place, which I'm guessing is big in America because I've never heard of it, in which he plays a man called Rodney, which is his character in Desperate Housewives, and a girlfriend who is played by Mia Farrow called Alison, which is Rodney's wife 
in Desperate Housewives of Tom's mum. Mark Cherry specifically named his parents Rodney and Alison because of this and he hopes to get Mia Farrow to play Tom's mum in the future. However, this never actually came about because when we meet Tom's mother in a later season, she is played by Lois Smith, who plays her wonderfully. You did quite a deep dive on... Ryan and um, Yeah. <laughs> well, because I couldn't really find any, like, interesting facts about the episode, so I was like, okay, no facts about the episode. Let's see what facts I can find out about the guest star. It's a dirty so, man playing a dirty man. He is a dirty man playing a dirty man. <laughs> <laughs> well, those were our fun, jolly facts of the episode. Thank you. That is quite all right. A bit of a deep dive, I like it. It was a bit of a deep dive. So this episode starts with Mary Alice narrating about the looks that parents with well-behaved children give to parents with not well-behaved children, <laughs> let's say. A look that says, you should learn to control your children. They're your responsibility. Ooh. And we're shown a smug look that Susan gives to Lynette, who's trying to control her boys. Susan then walks in on Julie, making out with Zach. Oof. Susan freaks out and Julie tells her that her and Zach are going to the school dance together on Friday. Lynette then gives Susan a look to say, mm-hmm, welcome to the club. Mm. Because they have a big fight right out the front. Yeah, true. First of all, Susan wearing green. She always wears green. Yeah, what's that about? There's a lot of green wearing in this episode. Throughout the entire episode, there's a lot of green in the clothing. I also find it hard that Julie would get straight A's. Susan, there's like a moment in this opening where Susan's like, oh my God, you did it again. You got straight A's, blah, blah, blah. But Julie would have at least got a D in gym. Right. Like Julie would not have got an A in gym. There's not a B on there anywhere? No, it literally, we paused it and read them. They're all A's. Yeah, we paused the frame and looked right in on that card. We then cut to the title sequence. And then back to Gabby. So Gabby sees John's mum, Helen, and her husband walking up to the house. So she quickly runs out to talk to them before they can get to the house because Carlos is in at the moment because of his, you know... Uh, house arrest. Yeah, his um police bracelet. The parents tell Gabby that John has decided not to go to college and to take up gardening full time and they want Gabby to talk to him. Gabby is reluctant at first but changes her tone when they threaten to bring the police into it. Yeah. All while holding a jar of peanut butter. Peanut butter. <laughs> Smooth or crunchy, we'll never know. The big mystery of Desperate Housewives. <laughs> Helen hates the fact that she has to come to Gabby for this. She hates Gabby in she general. She hates Gabby. The husband's, pre- the husband's pretty chill. Yeah. He's like, meh, yeah. She's so done with Gabby. Every time Gabby says anything, she's like, I oh, don't care. Isn't it obvious? Because... <laughs> I l- I love it. She's got wonderful energy. She does. I really enjoy Helen. We don't see enough of her. My brother hates Helen. I like Helen. I think she's funny. My brother messaged me today to say, Helen's the worst mom of the show or something. Oh, I wouldn't get that far myself, but, you know, opinions, everyone's got them. Lynette is trying to get Parker off of the roof, but he's too scared that she'll drop him. Then Tom shows up with his dad. His dad is visiting. He's um, doing business calls because he drives around and does businessy things. Stuff, yeah. He's like a driver around businessman. And he helps get Parker off the roof with sexism, much mm. to Lynette's chagrin. Bit of a sexist ass. First of all, how did he get up on the roof right how how did he manage that i don't know first of all and i found it quite nice that lynette really seems to get along with rodney yeah up until the sexist comment like he gets out of the car and he's like oh how's my favorite girl and there's like an embrace and oh i haven't seen you in ages blah blah lynette really seems to get along with tom's parents which is really nice we know from this this is going to be a really dodgy character. Like, he's not exactly the most progressive character. No. He comes up there and he's like, Parker, come on down. You don't want people to think you're a little girl, do you? <laughs> uh, we can also see that Lin- Lynette's not the type of person to let stuff like this go. No. So you see that it affects her the on minute- her face. 
She's. This isn't over yet. Do you reckon that Tom and Rodney had a really awkward conversation in the car about why he's bald? Why Parker's bald? Like, don't. Freak, oh yeah. Don't freak out, Dad. But my son is bald at the moment. But there's <laughs> nothing wrong. Despite what Lynette, Lynette may be telling everyone, <laughs> he's not got cancer. <laughs> Just don't ask any of the people at the yoga club. <laughs> Bree and Rex's lawyers are talking about ways to ration out their stuff after the divorce when Rex says that he doesn't want to do this anymore, but Bree says that she wants to keep the club membership. She don't care. She ain't having none of this. You she, had your chance, Rex. She really don't care. I mean, I love that pink jacket cardigan thing that Bree's got. Girl looks good in pink. Rex is now so desperate to get Brie back and just stop all this divorce nonsense. It really aggravates me. Just like, oh, don't worry, Brie. I've had my affair. I've got it out of my system. I'm ready to come back now. Excuse me, what makes you think there's something you can come back to? Yeah, you cheater. Like, you won't do it again. We both know you'll try it again with another prostitute the minute you're sure you won't have a, another heart attack. You'd probably go right back to Maisie. Probably. Dirty man. When at home, Brie and Rex threaten to take each other's stuff at the next divorce settlement. I might like to add, there's also some really strange sort of sexual tension here. Because they're, they're threatening to take each other's stuff away. And then Rex is like, isn't divorce fun? Oh, yeah, there is. Just a little <laughs> bit of sort of sexual tension. You can tell there's still something there between the two of them. Yeah. So Rex is threatening Brie, saying that he's going to take the good china and eat takeaway off of it. <laughs> Me oh, to you. Oh, the monster. <laughs> Then they have a conversation about how it's Bree's turn to have an affair. He asks if it'd be with her dopey pharmacist. <laughs> and she asks, would that devastate you? And he then implies that it would devastate him. Revenge never works. Mm. Sleeping with someone else doesn't level the playing field. It just makes you feel gross as well. Dopey pharmacist. Uh, also, <laughs> right. <laughs> but Lynette still cares enough about him to give him his medication. Yeah. Like, they're there arguing about divorce and Bree's there like, nope, I'm definitely divorcing you. Like, I'm going to sleep with someone else. But don't forget, it's time to take your medicine, so here you go. Well, she did promise Andrew. She did promise and Andrew. And Danielle. Susan is talking to Paul about Julie and Zach, wanting to know that she isn't just the one that's worried about them. But Paul really doesn't care, and he's sold the house, and they're moving anyway at the end of the month. Zach was listening to this conversation from behind the doorway. He catches that last bit about them moving in, and he walks into the room, and he's really mad, and he tells Paul that he wishes that Mary Alice had shot him instead. I don't necessarily think that Paul doesn't care. I just think that Paul's like, it makes no difference, Susan, we're moving. Like, it really doesn't matter. I know you're getting worked up, but just calm down, because we're not going to be around much longer, kind of thing. So but funny. Susan has every right to freak out, because I would freak out too if my 14-year-old was dating a 17-year-old that's just come out of a mental institution. Yeah. Rehabilitation centre, sorry. Well, one, that's Zach anyway. Yeah. I would probably have a little freak out as well. He's fruitier than an orange. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh, you're saying fruit as a mental, not fruit as in like gay. That's a good point. Maybe we should come with something else. <laughs> He's fruit than orange. I was like, Zach is a gay. <laughs> He's nuttier than a walnut. There we go. <laughs> so Lynette comes home because she forgot Parker's baseball mitt. Uh, and... Excuse me, she did not forget Parker's baseball mitt. Parker forgot Parker's baseball mitt. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> excuse me. There's no push to blame onto the mum here. I'm sorry, mothers. I didn't mean it. <laughs> She comes home because Parker forgot his baseball mitt and she walks in on Tom's dad on the sofa with some random woman who has her shirt half unbuttoned and her heels just all over the place. They were clearly <laughs> building up to some adult cuddles. They really were. She's got like her tights 
pantyhose, whatever you want to call them, somewhere, and they're like flung over and her shoes are off and Annette trips over them. Rodney. Now we know where Tom gets her from, because Tom's dad is an ass. Rodney, for God's sake, if you're going to have these disgusting affairs, why would you do it in your son's house? Right, couldn't you have just paid for a hotel room? Just do it in some dirty, sleazy motel room. Yeah, like that's literally, that's what people do. Isn't that where half the fun is? What, paying for like a hotel room? Yeah, not knowing what disease you're going to (laughs) get. Yeah, that's half the fun of an affair. Also, it's good that Parker didn't pick up on any of this. It's good that Lynette was the one that ran in. Yeah. And not one of the kids. That would have been awkward. Susan picks up the landline, which is, for all you kids out there, it's kind of like a mobile phone with a wire. And she overhears Zach and Julie on the phone. And just as Zach asks, you didn't tell her what I told you, did you? And Julie says, no, I can keep a secret. And this is referring to Dana. It is referring to Dana. Mm. And then they hear the kettle whistle. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Susan has to put the phone down. I'd like to point out, a, a mobile with a wire. Can I just say a home phone? It's a home phone. Yeah, and, well, I'm trying to explain to all the youngsters who well, might be listening what a landline is. Well, youngsters not know what a home phone is. Am I that old that I think youngsters will know what a home phone is? I mean, I know what a, home, a landline is. But when I was young, the landline didn't have... My landline didn't have a wire on it. No, not mine. Mine was one of those phones that you just plug into the base. Yeah, yeah, the base, and then like I could call my friends because after six p.m. we got free calls to other houses. But I'm just saying because I mean, look where we live. We don't have a landline. No, I don't really know anyone. My mum still has a landline. I still remember <laughs> my mum's home phone number, <laughs> but that's about it. So that's the landline, you guys. Yeah, it's, it's, Susan, it's never a good idea to listen to other people's conversations. Just want to say that. The <laughs> truth hurts sometimes, and Julie could have been proper slagging you off. Oh, she could have grown... Been oh my God, I Lammy. hate my mom. <laughs> and then Zach can be like, same, mine killed herself. <laughs> or he's just like, yeah, I hate your mom too. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever heard any conversations on the landline? Like, if, have you ever picked up a home phone and just heard other people talking on it? No, we've only ever had one. We only ever had, like, one landline, so there wasn't, like, a second landline that we could pick up and listen to. Except the landline phones that my mum would hoard, but they were never plugged in anywhere. <laughs> they were just landline phones that she she had there. Your mum hoarded landline my phones? My mum hoards everything. She hoards everything. Right now, it's Yankee Candles. But I want to know about funny landline phone conversations that you guys have had. Yeah, if you've, if you've listened to, like, the three-way, if you had, like, the three-way chat, like in Mean Girls. Write us in. Yeah. Yeah. George walks in on Bria at a diner, claiming to have just seen her through the window because he totally wasn't stalking her or anything. Creepy. He was totally following her. He sends shivers down my spine. <laughs> yeah, same. He's quite oh. He's about to walk off, but Bree asks him to stay, and they talk about how Bree and Rex met. This is a great story. Apparently, something to do with a gun control... Not gun control, no. The, it was about his stance on, on the, death, the penalty. death penalty. Yeah, because I write that, that Brie and Rex started talking because she agreed with his thoughts on the death penalty. I think we can assume, we can assume what the thought is there. Yeah. yeah. She then tells him that she feels like they are still meant to be together, but wonders how it could work after his betrayal. George pretends to want to help her and says that she should forgive him, but he clenches his fist in frustration under the table and pulls at his leg. Yeah, it's one of those, like, he's psychotic and he's, like, hitting himself. Yeah, he's, he's not having a good time. <laughs> but, what, I mean, what do you think? Could you be with someone that, like, cheats on you but shows remorse? I, mm, I, mm, uh, I don't know. Because that's like so. Bree's dilemma at the moment, isn't it? It's, yeah, he's showing remorse and he clearly still loves Bree, but he did commit adultery. I do believe in second chances, but second chances are the final chance. Mm. <laughs> it's the final straw. 
Okay. Yeah. I don't know if... I'm guessing this would be Rex's second chance. I guess so. We haven't really heard of him doing anything else bad. So, Lynette tells Rodney to stop avoiding her and asks him how he could do something like this to Alison, which is Tom's mum. He tells her that they've drifted apart for years and that he doesn't love her anymore. It gets a bit heated and Lynette kicks him out with all of his stuff. Tom gets home and asks Lynette why his dad is sitting outside and she tells him that she saw him with another woman. And Tom admits that he's not surprised as his father's been having affairs for years. Lynette is shocked by how okay Tom is with the whole situation and after their discussion gets heated, she kicks out Tom as well. This scene is so revealing. This scene is really revealing. First of all, we shouldn't really be questioning Rodney on how he could do this to Alison. We should be questioning Rodney on how he can eat bagels the way he eats bagels. Yeah, because yeah. he seems to like take a load of butter on the knife and then put it on the side of the plate like it's a dip yeah, as opposed think... to spreading butter on the bagel like a regular person would do yeah I think it's cream cheese cream cheese is not a dip <gasps> maybe it was cream cheese and not butter you don't dip it onto the cream cheese what's wrong with you man no just spread it like a normal person you spread Philadelphia you don't just dip your pieces of bread into it oh, you freak I found Tom's reaction to this whole situation shocking but... it would terrify me if I was Lynette it wasn't shocking as in I'm I'm I can't believe that Tom would act this way. It was shocking as if I can't believe a human would act this way. Like, yeah. Wow, my dad's... I'm just surprised my dad can still do it. Go on him. Right, and he's just like, oh, my mum's made peace of it. It's fine. It's really not fine, Tom. Like, that's your mother. Have you got no respect for your own mum? Yeah, it's really horrible. That you can happily be aware of the fact that your father is doing this to your mother and just be chill about it. It's just like, oh, well, it's I don't give a damn. It's okay. My mum's okay with it. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. Lynette has every right to be mad in this moment. Lynette does have every right to be mad. I, like I said, I'd be terrified if I was Lynette. I'd kick if him I out was, as well. If I was Lynette's shoes, I'd be like, okay, so you're willing to accept that your dad does this with no remorse. Like, you're perfectly fine with it. You can go about your day. So what happens when it comes to you? Right? Saying he's been doing it for years. That's a problem. That is a real problem. He has such little respect for his mother. Yeah. That is revolting. Mm. Shocking. Disgusting. Ugh. We are not happy with Tom, guys. Nope. Gabby goes to John to ask why he's not going to college, and John says that he wants to open his own business, cutting grass, mowing lawns, all that good stuff, so that he can support Gabby, and they can finally be together. And then he proposes to her. Right oh, God, there. he's proposing. He proposes to her right there and then. Like... If you want a yes from Gabby, you're going to need to propose to her of a better ring than that ugly-ass piece of tin. Right in front of his toy robot. Yeah, right in front of his toy robot. His room is so teenager. It's so teenager. It's still such a teenager room. He's there like, oh, I can provide more for you now than Mr. Solis. <laughs> Mrs. Solis, pick me. Pick me, Mrs. Solis. He's there with his toy robot in the corner and his Arsenal bed sheets or whatever. It wasn't Arsenal bed sheets, but it's just... <laughs> It's a teenage thing, He does those it? football posters, though, yeah. doesn't he? I brought up the toy robot when we were watching it. I kind of wish I saved it so that I didn't sound like I was repeating myself to you now. But I think the toy robot has a, a deeper meaning in this scene. Because he's sitting there, he's got his toy robot, and I think it really shows the maturity gap. Oh, yeah, it's, it's definitely showing the age gap between the two. Like, in terms of their ages, but also in terms of the way that they view love... It's so different. He's there thinking, we'll be poor, we'll be happy, Ugh. Mrs. Solis, proposing with this ring. And she's like, no, I'm an adult, I need yeah. stability. Yeah, but well, because he's just there like, pretty much still calling Gabby selfish himself. Yeah. Because he's like, oh, I, you couldn't be with me because Carlos had money and, and he offered you money and security. And now I can offer you that. And it's like, there's more to it than that. And also, you really can't. But yeah, what I'm trying to say is, um, I think the toy represents that he's viewing this 
um, love from a very childlike perspective. It's in... his first love, isn't it? And everyone's first love is very childlike. Yeah, I think it was a really clever little placement that way. Yeah, everyone's first love is perfect and it's it's brilliant and nothing can ever affect it and then it gets demolished and then you realise that that isn't actually love and love <laughs> is something else. So, yeah. It's they're, in... they're looking at the relationship from two different aspects. It's indestructible like my robot. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Also, pink leather jacket, Gabby. Me and Gabby are kindred spirits. I've got a pink leather jacket too, even though it's not so pink anymore from where I've worn it so much. But... Yeah, it's more like skin colour. <laughs> it's like skin colour now, but it was <laughs> a pink leather jacket. So, Julie's getting ready for the school dance, and Susan thinks that something's wrong with Julie. Well, she knows that something's wrong after overhearing that phone call. And Julie says, no, nothing's wrong. I'd tell you if anything was wrong. Clearly lying. Mm. And then, just across the road, Zach is also getting ready for the dance, and tells Paul that he's starting to remember things from his past, like killing Dana, for example. Paul wants to know if he's told Julie or Susan, and demands to know what else he's told them. We then cut to the... Oh, wait, but before we, before we move on, though... I would just like to point out how during this whole conversation, Paul is tightening Zach's tie. He's got his hand like right around him, very threatening. But yeah, just wanted to point out that him having his hand around Zach's neck, proper power play right there. It is a proper power play. Tightening the, he's tightening his tie. Like, what else have you told them? I mean, first of all, Zach, 17 years old and you still can't tie a tie. <laughs> Let's sort it out, Paul. Come on. Paul's like the evil angel almost on Zach's shoulder and he's trying to get him to tell everything and his arms around him, he's tying his tie and it's almost like the tie's a noose. Yeah. It's a very threatening scene. Just like what he did to Martha. Also, Susan, you are a bad mother if you let Julie go to the dance dressed like that. She looks like my nan. Some I literally said earlier, Brie can pass off pink, but... Julie, you cannot pass off pink. Why is she wearing that cardigan? That cardigan's awful. My nan would wear that. She's just a 14-year-old girl. The spring shuffle, that's what the dance is called. I'm loving it. I've seen that cardigan in various shades of beige in old people's homes. Various shades of beige. (laughs) (laughs) We then cut to the two of them at the school dance where Zach gives Julie a corsage. Cute. Paul asks Susan to dance with him and she tells him all about the conversation that she overheard with Julie and Zach about Dana. He says that it was obviously an accident and he didn't mean to kill Dana, not knowing that Susan doesn't actually know the full story and he's just walked right into this. And Susan plays along as if she knew the whole time. Susan is extremely sympathetic towards Paul, who asks that she keeps this between them as it's deeply personal and a dark chapter in their lives. Yeah, so she's clearly going to go off and tell the other girls. Oh, 100%. Definitely. But Susan Susan reacts to this in a way that clearly signifies that she knows nothing. (laughs) And yet Paul continues to tell her everything, which I think (laughs) is a sneaky play on Paul's part because he knows Susan's going to go tell the other women. So if he keeps telling Susan this information, Susan's going to tell the other women, Mm. which means that it's probably a lie. Why would he want them to think this? So that they think something else that's not the truth. And then all the women can sort of chill out because they've got the answer that... Oh. They've got the answer to the what they think is the answer to the question. So they'll stop rooting around looking for answers and questioning things. And they'll just go on with their life. But Paul knows that's not really the answer to the question. But he's just thrown them a red herring. So you think that they'll think Zach killed Dana when he was younger by accident. And that will be much better to hear than what really happened. Yeah. Which we don't know. We don't know. Mm, maybe. So I think that's what's happened. And then all the women can just sort of leave it and just go around thinking that 
Zach killed a child and it's really unfortunate and really horrible and something that we'll never talk about again because Paul's there saying I really want you to know that it was a really dark chapter in our lives and we really don't like to talk about it and then no one talks about it with him and it's just left maybe that's it but Paul starts off this scene looking like a really creepy random old white man just walking around the dance hall <laughs> just come in there with his Polaroid camera <laughs> right until he starts dancing with Susan obviously <laughs> Rex goes to the pharmacy to collect his medication and asks George what he's up to with Bree. He tells George to be careful around Bree and that she'd just be using him to get back at Rex. He makes a sly dig at George about being a pharmacist rather than a doctor and George tells Rex that he's not a good person despite what Bree thinks. George then pretends that he can't find Rex's medication and says that he'll have to have it delivered. When Rex leaves the pharmacy, George walks off with his medication. He throws it in the bin. Oh, does he? Yeah, he rips open the prescription and opens the cap and throws the pills in the bin. I don't really know what his goal is there because surely when Rex doesn't get them, he'll just reorder them. Well, we will. He is a doctor, so I'm assuming he he doesn't really have to pay. We will find out. We will find out. We will find out. (laughs) But, George, you need thicker skin if the reason you think Rex is a bad person is for that one comment about how beautiful women end up with doctors and not pharmacists. That was. And you're there like, you're a bad man, Rex. In all fairness, that was a really low dig. (laughs) That was a low dig. That was a low blow. But he's dating. George was dating Rex's wife, of course he's gonna do little pot shots i have to say this is my favorite scene from the whole show really (laughs) not from the whole show this is my favorite scene from the episode why i just love their little power play oh okay i think my favorite scene is they're probably like digging at each other my favorite scene is it's not happened yet okay it's not happened yet we'll get there yeah we'll get there. i guess yeah yeah helen comes up to gabby asking for the engagement ring back saying it was her grandmother's and threatening to ruin gabby's life (laughs) she hates us so much she just doesn't care (laughs) bob who is um john's dad tells helen to go back to the car and tells gabby that what happened between gabby and john was just as much john's mistake as it was gabby's he then hits on gabby saying he was always good growing up and wondering what it would have been like to made a mistake with someone like her is it hitting on gabby because i didn't see it as hitting on gabby what did you see i saw it as bob just sort of emotionally understanding the situation that John and Gabby were in and trying to show Gabby that he doesn't hold any blame for her because he can kind of understand why John did what John did. Okay, I think he comes across as a, a little bit sly here, though. I mean, as he if, definitely comes off as creepy. As if, he, as if he's looking at her like, oh, you're hot, I wish I made a mistake like you. And I think that That's, the ball yeah. is completely in his court, because Gabby isn't going to tell his wife that he's just said these things, because she's not going to ruin their marriage. No, that's true. Ruin, she'll go for her and Carlos. But I'm not sure, like, I just think, like Bob says, I'm just middle and I'm like, oh, bless him. He's just going through a bit of a midlife crisis. You're just a bit gross. I saw it as sly. I didn't like it. (laughs) But like, Eva Longoria, like what Gabby did was wrong, obviously, but Eva Longoria and obviously therefore Gabby is so charismatic and charming that it does not seem to matter what she does because she is just perfect. (laughs) Oh, and also Gabby, put down that purse because it really clashes with the jacket and you should know better. (laughs) Like you've got like a baby, like a hot pink leather jacket and then a red purse, like a red clutch. You're going to have to put a picture of it on the Instagram so that, on the Instagram, I did it again. On the, on the Instagram. I'm so sorry. I I swear I'm not an old man. Let's just move on. I'm very, <laughs> this is embarrassing. <laughs> Moving on to Paul. Paul and Zach get in the car and Paul tells Zach that the things he was remembering about Dana aren't true and he didn't kill her. Telling Zach that Dana is very much alive. What? Told ya. <laughs> I told ya. 
So they drive back home. Zack wonders why Paul is only telling him about this now and he questions if it's because he has only just brought it up or something. And he basically says that he'll keep this little secret but that they are not moving away. He says something like, I've only just found someone to talk to in Julie. And he basically threatens Paul saying that if he tries to make the move, he's going to tell. Yeah, it's like blackmail. Yeah. So I wonder where he gets that from, his mum or his dad. <laughs> I mean, Paul's there like, I couldn't let you walk around thinking that you've murdered someone. Well, why now? Because he's been walking around thinking he's murdered someone all this time. He has an ulterior motive. And if you'd have just let Zach be honest with you at the very beginning, none of this would have been happening right now. And you could have just nipped that in the bud right there and then. Zach could have said, I'm having all of these dreams or I've killed someone called Dana, blah, 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 whatever. And then Paul could have been like, you haven't. And then he wouldn't have told Julie. And Susie wouldn't have overheard. And he wouldn't be having to do damage control. Yeah, 100%. Also, um, going back to what we mentioned earlier about the tie. Because Paul had his hand around Zach. And he was doing that tie up really tight when he was talking to him. Yeah. And now all of the power is is with Zach. In Zach's hands. The ball is in Zach's court now. And he's loosening the tie as he's threatening Paul. Yeah. Proper, like, symbolism. Yeah, it is. That was good. That was a good spot. Tom is annoyed at Lynette for kicking him out and after apologising, Lynette says that she's upset about how Tom knew that his dad was cheating on his mum but he wasn't doing anything about it. She then threatens to kick him out and he'll never see the kids again if he ever does that to her. But she does it in a loving way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I love you. Good and night. I love you. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad to get that off my chest. <laughs> But, like, Tom doesn't seem to grasp the point. The no, point, he does not. The point isn't that it, you know, matters what his mum thinks of the affair, which is also a valid point. But the point Lynette's trying to make is the fact that he does not seem to care that his father is having an affair. Yeah. That rhymed. <laughs> I, I liked, liked it. it. <laughs> Here's the thing, Tom. Where is your respect for women, for your mother? Like, this situation is so messed up. There is no respect. <laughs> the level of unprofessionalism... <laughs> No, that was it. Um, so he then has a chat with his dad at the table because he couldn't sleep. So he goes downstairs and he tells his dad that he did something terrible in the past that Lynette doesn't know about. What has Tom done? There is a theory online about this. Oh, okay. Which I'm not going to talk about because it does contain spoilers. I think I read the theory and I think it's bull. Oh, but don't we already know the thing? What? Because it comes up in the future. We already know the thing. Yeah. Yeah, so me and you. Yeah. yeah. But I'm not going to say it. Oh, sorry. I thought you meant there's a theory online that's completely different to anything that's happened in the show. <laughs> no, no. There's a theory online about what Tom has done, which I've read, and I don't agree. I think it's something else, but online seems to think it references something else. Does it rhyme with Flora? Does it rhyme with Dora? <laughs> the Explorer. Maybe. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. But don't bother looking at theories online because one, they're bull. Um, two, it'll give you spoilers. Mm, and that's all you'll get from us. That's the tea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, Tom has been acting very gross throughout this whole episode. So it doesn't surprise me that he's done something shady in the, mm. back, in the past. <laughs> Tom's been acting almost pretty gross throughout this entire season so far. Yes. Well, 13, yeah. Episode 13 and Tom really not come across very great but then again neither is Lynette so oh no not at all <laughs> so Gabby goes over to John's place to give back the ring and John has a really bad reaction to this rejection a real bad reaction he throws a bottle and it smashes against the wall it's messy that guys. is not the way to react when someone refuses your proposal like seeing someone start to throw breakables against the wall will not make anybody suddenly be like oh my god I must have you now I know right I'm sorry but your, to your toxic masculinity is not attractive yeah she says that they can't be together he doesn't have his own place without roommates he earns minimum wage and she 
basically calls him a sweet dumb toy, telling him they have no future. This upsets John, who walks out. Yeah, this is the scene where John's like, oh, we can, oh, Gabby's like, we can, I've tried poor but happy. This is my favourite scene because again, it's showing a level of maturity that we've not really seen in Gabby. Gabby tends to be the childish one that's really selfish and she, she just stomps her feet and she wants what she wants. But she's now starting to realise that actually sometimes, in her words, every once in a while even I want to do the right thing. Yeah. And the right thing here is as much as it pains her to do it, break John's heart. You could see that it was really painful for her to do this. When he storms past her and she starts to cry, you can see that it hurts her to have to break John's heart. But you have to break someone's heart so that they can come back stronger. She has her back to him and he's telling her that he loves her and her eyes just close as if to say this is pretty much the only way that this is going to stop, I've got to do it. She, yeah, she can, you can see that it's her last resort. Almost. And she turns around and she's like, this isn't love. You're just a big, toy. cute, dumb toy that I was using sort You're a of toy. thing. You're a sweet, dumb toy. And then he just walks off and she just looks like she wants to sink inside of herself. So you might as well go to college because you and me, no future. Yeah. Eva Longoria is so good. She's really good. She'd been in a few other things before this and she was picked as the one to watch because she was like a rising star almost. Sure. She really does well in this like whole season. Oh, well, she, she earned that. She did earn that. But like Felicity Huffman, Pasha Cross... Um, Terry Hatcher. Terry Hatcher. Thank you. I almost said Susan Meyer. Um, <laughs> Terry Hatcher have all been fairly prominent names on television. They've all had like a body of work before that. And Eva Longoria hadn't really had anything that propelled her into stardom quite like someone like Terry Hatcher had, who obviously had Lois and Clark. Yeah, she was so a newbie at the time, wasn't she? She was fairly, yeah. fairly new. Zach goes over to Susan's house and asks to speak to Julie, telling Susan that they had good news as Zach and Paul are staying and they're going to be staying across the street. Susan then has a conversation with Zach about how, as a mother, it's her responsibility to protect Julie and tells him that they need to slow things down. Zach reacts to this really poorly and says, no, you're not taking her away from me before like pushing over this desk thing on wheels, like throwing it and it like swings over the place and Susan kicks him out. Yeah. She's like, you've made this really easy for me you are forbidden to see my daughter get out Zach's like oh I've blackmailed my dad one time and now I'm the shit like sorry you have to beep that word out but <laughs> like he's walking around with this swagger like this cocky swagger that he's got he's like yeah once you blackmail your parent you're unbeatable like <laughs> <laughs> Zach is on a proper downward spiral proper d- and let's remember Zach Susan thinks you've killed someone yeah it's not like, oh my god you know the truth is that you didn't kill Dana or that's what Paul is saying to you but Susan still thinks you've killed Dana. Boy's got anger issues. Yeah, and Susan really doesn't give a damn. Zach's there, like, holding the corsage he gave Julie, and Susan's there, like, really? Just get out. <laughs> Susan says the best line from the episode as well. She's <laughs> like, I know that it's every teenager's birthright to be dramatic, but come on. <laughs> and then she starts laughing, and then Zach, like, gets whatever dramatic, and he's like, why are you laughing? Yeah, then it escalates. And then it escalates. So much angst. There's so much teenage angst these, in this These teenage episode. boys are having some bad reactions. They are having bad... It's, it's a bad episode for teenage boys. Andrew <laughs> He's lucky he's not in this episode. <laughs> Everyone's so angry. <laughs> to be fair, Andrew's had bad enough of a time recently. Yeah. Keep him out of any more bad <laughs> stuff for a while. 
The episode ends as Mary Alice narrates about how the time comes when we all have to become responsible adults. Give up things we love to do the right thing and do what is best for ourselves and those we love. We see a shot of John's dad comforting John, Gabby going to bed looking quite guilty and upset, Bree giving Rex his medication, Lynette giving Rodney a hug goodbye, and Susan knocking on Julie's bedroom door who has snuck out of the window to see Zach. Julie tells Zach that Susan doesn't want her to see Zach anymore and they hug each other not knowing what they're going to do. And that's how the episode ends. I wonder why Susan doesn't want you seeing Zach anymore, Julie. Could it be because the boy's dead? And he just literally just flipped out at your mum. If anybody flipped out at my mum that I was dating, I wouldn't see them again. Yeah, no. no. I'd be like, mate, that's my mum. Well, that was um, the end of the episode. And let's move on to the bit of the show where we always talk about the title. And now that we've gone through the whole thing, we can talk about what the title means, who it refers to, and what we think of all that. The the title is Your Fault. This is your fault. You're always making things difficult. Give me that pen. Give me that pen. (laughs) Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. What do you think your fault refers to? Do you think it's about a certain character or a theme? Um, I don't really know. Well, there's a lot of blame going around. Like, if we start with Lynette's story, there's a lot of blame with the cheating dad and who's to blame and... True. He seems to think that there is no blame to go around. Yeah. He's like, we fell out of love. I'm travelling. There's no blame. Everything's fine. Tom seems to agree. He's just like, oh, that's just who he is. And there's blame with Bree and Rex and obviously... Bree's holding Rex to blame for the dissolution of their marriage and yeah right okay so let's move on to one of the final segments so this is all about the outfits and the fashion so Joel can you please tell us oh, your about that base. Um, what should we start with best or worst we'll do best okay can you please tell us the best outfit of the episode I'm going to say that the best outfit of the episode for me was Gabby at John's with the pink leather jacket just because I also own a pink leather jacket so I get the vibes that she was giving so I dig it Gabby it wasn't even a subtle pink this was in your face yeah it wasn't in your face mine was a bit more <laughs> subtle but if I can find a hot pink leather jacket sure why not I'll wear it it's a really good jacket it was a really good jacket it looked really good I love colourful leather jackets you look, you look really good <laughs> and um, what would be the worst outfit of the episode have you got anything well, I mean my worst outfit for the episode I would have to give to Julie at the spring shuffle what's happening I don't know <laughs> Chase Australian accent. Mr. G, <laughs> give John back. <laughs> was possessed by Mr. G. You're giving the worst outfit to a child. I am giving the worst outfit to a child because there's no excuse for it, Julie. You're 14 now. Step it up. Stop dressing (laughs) like my nan. (laughs) Yes, so what is your pick for best parent? Oh. You're doing best first, right? Yeah. So you want to hear my pick for... Best parent of the episode... Is that your mum? <laughs> yeah, that's my mum. You've got her to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, my pick for the best parent of the episode would probably be Susan, in all fairness, for protecting Julie. Okay, yeah. Trying to protect Julie from Zach because he's a bit of a nut job. Yeah. But I think Susan is being reasonable here. Yeah, no, I get that. Also, there wasn't much to go on. There really wasn't. So, Susan, you win this by default. Yeah. Who, who gets the worst? Oh, you want to know my pick for... Oh, God. Worst parent of the episode. Your dad! <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I called my mum and I was like, I need you and dad to do me this favour. I need you to read out these lines for my podcast. Um, You can say it at the same time. You can say it separately. You decide how you do it. But I just, I need you to say these lines. I wonder what made your mum and dad decide who did best and who did worst. <laughs> I know. It's it, there's, Is there a little bit of something there? That I mo- don't know. 
that mum's doing the best one and dad's like, I'll do the worst one. <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, those are my parents. Um, my pick for the worst parent was Rodney. Who's Rodney? Oh! Tom's dad. Tom's dad. He is so sleazy. And he's made Tom grow up thinking that what his dad's doing is okay. Yeah. And I'm not okay with that. But I think that would have been a joint thing with Tom's mum too. Mm, yeah. Like she would have also probably just sort of told Tom I don't that feel it's like... fine. I don't feel like I can give it to people that are already mentioned, so... Yeah, you um, can't really give it to Tom's mum, obviously. She's not really been in the episode, but... But yeah, Rodney is a cheater, and he's sexist. sexist. He's... Ah, oh, he's the perfect represent- representation of the male patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so he gets my pick for the worst parent. Mm. So that was episode 13, Your Fault. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, we did it. <laughs> we did do it. Next um, week will be episode 14. Love is in the air. If people want to find us on our socials, Joel, contact us. Where can where can they do that? You can find us on Instagram at boyfriendsreview and you can find us on Twitter at bfsreview. You can also email us at boyfriendsreview at outlook.com and all of our artwork is done by our friend Louis. You can find him on Instagram at docredmonkdesign where you'll also find a link to his Etsy page. He does commissions. He does do commissions. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week. See you next week, guys. Bye. Bye.